Well, last week, I think after 14, 15, 16, however many weeks, I don't know. How many? 20. Okay, 20. <laughs> 20 weeks, First John. We finished up. And I thought, what are we going to do? I thought, well, I thought about Genesis. I thought I'll be three and a half years. If I do Genesis, <laughs> and we may. But no, we're going to turn tonight to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. I thought I've done Pauline epistles and or general epistles for nearly four years, taught doctrine for nearly four years on Wednesday night. Of course, all Scripture is inspired and profitable for doctrine. I mean, we'll still teach doctrine, but I thought for the next, uh, John, the Gospel of John's a lot. So for however the next long, we're going to go through the Gospel of John and just talk about Jesus a while. Is that all right? Gospel of John, it's, of course, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Verse 3, Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic Gospels. They're uh, similar in tone and share a lot of the same accounts, although from different perspectives. I think um, the Gospel of Mark is, portrays a suffering Savior. Gospel of Luke portrays the, the Son of Man, Jesus in his humanity. Matthew, maybe the Jesus in his kingship. But the Gospel of John presents Jesus as God. Jesus, the Son of God. That's important. And he approaches the Gospels from a different angle than the other three writers. Just as introductory remark, remarks. Of course, you know that same as the epistles of John. This is John, this is John um, the one that refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. This would have been Jesus' closest confidant. And as far as his disciples were, so they... He, I've described it before, but we all have a circle, an inner circle, those 12. He had multitudes of disciples, but he had 12 that was called to follow him as his immediate uh, entourage and as his immediate protégés. But then he had, he had a group of three that were his closest, Peter, James, and John. And then of the three, John would have been the one that was closest to him. And John was, these are things most of us already know, but John would have been the only one of all of the, the original 12 that would have died a natural death at nearly 100 years old, although they tried to kill him. <laughs> but John wasn't martyred. John died a natural death. But I wanted to start with the Gospel of John. For one thing, it was a natural continuation of reading from his epistles and teaching from there. It's an easier flow. But also, 
Because one of the things in this world that is most under attack today is the deity of Jesus Christ. That's fundamental doctrine number three, if anybody was keeping up. (laughs) That he's divine, he's God. Not just a good man, not just a prophet, not just a great teacher, not just a rabbi, not just someone that had good things to say. He's God. He's God. And he didn't become God. He was God from the beginning. Not from the beginning of this creation. He was already God in the beginning. And now four years in at Mag Church, most of you could probably quote the first 12, cha- first 12 verses of John chapter 1. If you can't, you will. <laughs> and that will never change because it's a key. I'm always trying to give understanding how to study the Word of God. Okay, let's just start there. And there are passages, there are chapters, if you will, in the Word of God that are key to understanding other places in the Word of God. One door unlocks the other door. Isaiah said, it would, I believe it was Isaiah that said it this. He said that precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. So that is the principle of you build on, you, you build on the knowledge that you have and it unlocks other knowledge. Yes? And the Gospel of John is one of those books and the first chapter of John is one of the most important passages in the entirety of the Word of God to understanding the Word of God, particularly the New Covenant, who He is. And it ties directly to Genesis chapter 1, which is also very important. Started, the reason I started to do the book of Genesis, which would have taken three years probably, is that if you can understand Truly, if you can understand the book of Genesis, if you, can get the, if you can pull the knowledge out of the book of Genesis, you really know it's largely all there. The entirety of the Word of God is largely built into the book of Genesis, at least the principles of the Word of God. So, having said all that, let's just start right at the beginning like we always do. Are you ready? You're going to start with things you've heard a thousand times, but we'll, we'll see what we can open up tonight, all right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He, who's the He? It's the Word. And you'll find that, and you know by now in verse 12, It tells you even more about who the Word was and is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. 
And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. A better translation would even be is the darkness could not apprehend it. Before we even go any further, you know that it takes very little light to light a dark place. I don't know if you've ever been in, a, in, in, the, in the caves. I know up in northern Arkansas where the caves and the caverns are, when you go five, six hundred feet underground, you get down there. One of their favorite things to do from the National Forest Service is to get you down there and turn on all the lights. Now, let me tell you, it's dark. It's like dark, dark. You can't see anything. There's no light source anywhere. So you literally can't see your hand at the end of your nose. But if they light a candle, they probably can't do that these days because of probably releases too much carbon or something in the cave. But they used to light a candle <laughs> or strike a match, heaven forbid. And that one match at that depth would illuminate the beauty of that cave with just a match. It was pretty incredible, really. A little bit of darkness, or a little bit of light pierces the darkness. The darkness cannot apprehend it. You can't go into a light room and open a box of dark. It doesn't matter how big your can of dark is. The light will overtake it. In the beginning was the Word. In John's epistles, you'll remember just recently, is that these three bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. In the beginning was the Word, and that literally means in Genesis 1 and 1 when it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. When that creation came to being, he was already there. And in fact, it came to being because of him. Every, there was, everything was made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. He was there. In the beginning was the word. Hear me. You've heard, it, you've heard me say it a thousand times by now. The first, first week or two, you're not going to hear anything you hadn't heard this preacher say over and over. I doubt it very seriously. But you need to understand something. You cannot separate Jesus from the Word of God. They are one and the same. Verse 12, before we can go any further, verse 14 says, And the Word, the, same, the Word that was in the beginning, that was God and is God, that created all, everything that was made, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And that literally means every individual thing. He created the earth that you stand on, the faces that you're looking at, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the atmosphere, everything about it was him. In fact, when he stepped out on nothing and nothing becomes something, when he called it back into order, I could spend a few minutes there if I wanted to in a minute. It was that spoken word, let there be, 
that went out into chaos, and chaos began to come into order. You should understand something. God is a God of, that is, operates in decency and in order. When he touches it, speaks to it, chaos comes together. It says, in him, was in him was light, and the light was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. There's no life outside of him. It was all made by him and through him, for him. From the beginning. I was, since it parallels Genesis chapter 1, I might as well talk about it just a minute. Do you know really to, to, to even begin to believe, you have to believe the first four words. In the beginning, God. Period. In the beginning, God. It says it created the heavens and the earth. Now, I will go immediately into a little bit of controversy, but I don't care because it's right. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. Verse 2 says, and the earth was without form and void. I already told you, God is a perfect creator. He's a perfect creator. He's never created anything that wasn't perfect, especially in a creation that was untouched by by fallen sin, mankind. Are you with me? You already kind of glazed over looking. Let me help you with something. Since in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. In the original languages, it literally, it literally translates that the earth was in chaos. God didn't create chaos. Chaos became. Here's the controversial part. I don't know why it's controversial. It shouldn't be controversial. There was a creation before there was a creation. Not a human race. He created a perfect creation in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Really better translated, the earth became without form and void. You've heard me allude to it many times in the message. There was a fall before there was a fall. Are we, we're already in tall weeds. Let me help you with something. When Jesus was, discuss, was discussing one day Lucifer, the angel of light, the messenger of light. By the way, he still disguises himself, but comes to you, appears to you as an angel, because he is. If we don't get past this, it'll be all right, because you're going to learn something. You need to understand who Lucifer was and is. He was a created being, an archangel. Bible indicates that, that, he, that he had musical talent and, he, and that he had authority. Probably the most, it says he was, he was the, the cherub, the anointed cherub. And he says he, that, he, that, he, that he stood before or worked before the throne of God. 
That's what it says. We know that. That's in the Scripture. And he was an angel. And guess what? He's still an angel. Still right now, he's an angel. The Bible talks very clearly about the fallen angels, of which he would have been the head. When Genesis, when you go ahead and start reading into Genesis, it begins to talk about the serpent that was more cunning than all the beasts of the field. He had leadership ability. Now let's think about something. We're going slow on purpose. Let's think about something. We have the created host of heaven, the angelic beings. Hello? Archangels, messengers, angels, cherubim, seraphim. The Bible doesn't talk about it really a lot other than messengers. We know that cherubim have a job that is they worship God. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. It's what they do. It's what they were created for. To declare His holiness. Created perfect. Well, this is why it takes three years to teach anything. Because to teach things, you've got to teach things. So let me just take a minute and not, can everybody say, right before, we get, before I go any further, I need you to look at me and say, I love you, Pastor. That makes me feel better. Angels were all created at the same time for one purpose. There's no baby angels. No baby angels. None. No female angels. None. People think that angels are sexless. That's not true. They're not sexless. They're male. People think that they can't procreate. That's not true. The Bible says, the Bible doesn't say that they can't procreate. It says that they, that they were created neither to be married or given in marriage. That wasn't their purpose. It doesn't say they couldn't. It didn't say they couldn't, they, that they couldn't procreate or reproduce. I'm helping somebody. Well, has anybody ever tripped over that? Because let me help you. Because it says neither married nor given in marriage. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that they, they can't be sexual or that they're, that they're eunuchs or anything else. It means they wasn't created for procreation. Let me help you. It'll help you understand it. They, Matt, they wasn't created for procreation, but they did. But they did. Genesis, Genesis chapter 6 makes that pretty clear, that they did. In fact, it happened more than once. They did. And Jude says that, there are, that those angels that did this such thing are already locked away in everlasting chains. They're already there. It's the angels, Jude tells you that the angels left, that they were angels that left their first estate, what they were created to do, and done the things that they wasn't created to do. So let me help you, because he said that people get tripped over there. Pastor, they wasn't for, created for marriage or to be given in marriage. Men wasn't created to have sex with men, but they do it every day. Yeah. 
Oh, I, don't th- I think you just flat missed that. Just because God created you for something in a certain way doesn't mean that that's what the creation does. They were obviously had a free will. The angelic hosts obviously had a free will. Otherwise, Lucifer couldn't rebel against God, and he couldn't have persuaded a third of the angelic hosts to, to, to throw in their lot with him and, re- and rise up against God. They had free will. But they wasn't the creation that God created in his likeness or his image. And he did not choose to redeem them. The Bible says nothing about God's love for angelic hosts. I, I really didn't spend, plan to spend this much time on this, but since people are so confused these days that they, can't, they, they don't really realize, a lot of people, that Jesus is God and everybody's into angels. I, I'm, I'm going somewhere. When somebody dies, let me, let me help you with something. An angel's never been a human being. All those that have spent some hybrids. No, really. An angel's never been a human being. And a human being was never and will never be an angel. I, I try not to get sassy with people on social media and, and try not to be heartless and cold and everything else, but Christian people ought not to be talking about they got their wings today. No, they didn't. They were not now, nor will they ever be at any time or any place in the eternity past or eternity future, never ever a human spirit, human being become an angel. That is false doctrine. And it can be dangerous. I've also heard many, many, many people ascribe the power of the Holy Spirit to angelic hosts. Oh, I just pray that I ain't praying to God about angels. It's not scriptural. Oh, Jeff, how did I get to this spot already? You come the first week, and I'm on the first thing of John, and I'm already up to my eyeballs in trouble. <laughs> it makes for a cute Christmas movie. But it's just that, a Christmas movie. And by the way, it's not even a biblical Christmas movie, just so you know. I'm not against It's a Wonderful Life. Watch it if you want to. It doesn't have anything to do with Christmas or Scripture, and it certainly doesn't every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. In fact, most of the angelic host, I can't find any evidence they had wings. Some, cherubim, seraphim, I mean, but not the rest of them. This is important stuff. I'm just in John chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. There was a fall before there was a fall. 
before a human being, before God spoke this creation into existence. People get all tripped up over this because they think you're talking about theistic evolution or something stupid like that. No. People think, well, there was no, that means that there was death. There was death before Adam. The, let me see if I can help you. Let me see if I can help you. This is going to help you so you don't think I'm a heretic. Don't try to burn me at the stake. Whatever they do nowadays. This book. Anybody got their copy with them? Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. This book. This book is not the account of Lucifer and the fallen angels. This book is not the account of the cherubim, seraphim, and the messengers of God that are angels. That's not what it is. They're, they are part of God's creation, part of God's plan, part of what he does. But this, there is limit, there's enough information in here for you to know what you need to know about those spiritual beings. But this is not the account of Lucifer and the angels. This is the account of God created a, a man in his likeness and his image that he loved. And that man was deceived and, or transgressed against the, the, the word of God and fell. And he loved them so much. Why? The word of God says, three chapters ahead of where we're at right now, that for God so loved the world, mankind, that he gave his only begotten son. This book is the account of the creation of mankind, God's love for mankind, mankind's fall, and God's way of redemption and reconciliation back to God. This is, the, this is not the account of what happened before. Although he gives you plenty of evidence that there was a before. Guess what? It happened right here on this earth. I think the ark attraction up in Kentucky is a great thing. I'd like to go see it. Some of y'all have been. I think it's really cool. I think it's really interesting. One of the first things I did when I got to this church was threw everything that had Kim Ham's name on it out in the dumpster. Because Ken Ham, a great man, he's a Christian, great teacher, he's wrong on some things. Adam wasn't chasing a Brontosaurus or a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That was before. Uh-oh. Mm. It doesn't make me... It, I, I'm trying. I'm trying. It all happened right here. Now, you know... People think that Christianity and people like me are in conflict with science. No, every, when you get with the Word of God, science will back it up every time. Every time. Science has some... By the way, we have hung a lot on theories. A lot on theories. Now, theories are not, are not science or fact. You know what separates theory from fact? fact, you can reproduce it over and over and over and over and over. 
A theory is it could have happened this way, but I can't prove it. Hello? Let me help you with something. Because I'm not off track. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. He was with God because He is God. And the same was in the beginning with God. Jesus made a declaration about this Lucifer one day. He said, by the way, nobody disputes that Lucifer fell before Adam and Eve. He was already in the garden when they got there. Hello? Nobody. Me and Kim Ham agree. That's, that's a discussion with it. Before I say more, let me help you with something. There are things that we can do. The world doesn't know you can disagree and still be friends anymore. Do you, do you know that? And there are things that, that are, are just flat wrong that people teach doctrine, and then they think I'm flat wrong, but I can prove them wrong. And then, and then when you talk about these things, people think that you're saying that they're not saved, that they're not Christians, that they're not any. No, this is a discussion within the family. This is a discussion within the family. This doesn't mean that, that because you have triceratops in the ark, that I think you're going to hell. <laughs> Do you know what Jesus said about Lucifer, the light bearer? He said, I was there. I was there. I was there. Why? Because he was in the beginning. He always was. He didn't have a beginning because he's just as eternal that direction as he is that direction. He's just, he was just as, if this earth is 10 billion years old, he's 100 trillion and counting. He always was. And he always will be. He's outside of time. We count it in chronology. He is a Kairos God. He's outside of time. Matter of fact, when he came, we started marking time by his appearance. Chronology. People thinking Lucifer something, and Jesus said, I was there. Is that exactly how he said it? He said, I saw you fall. I told you there was a fall before the fall. Jesus said, I was there. I saw you fall like lightning. And where does it say, where does Jesus say he fell to? <laughs> to the earth. Whatever this creation was, the Bible, this is not the story of this creation. I can tell you right now, that's where the Tyrannosaurus and the Brontosaurus and the, all of those were. That's where they were. That's where they were. And that war that, can you imagine the war that broke out in the heavens? Wasn't much of a war. It didn't last long. 
think about what we know about what we know about a handful of angels that visited the cities of the plain. Sodom, Gomorrah, and the five cities of the plain. Utter destruction. A mission from God. Okay? Are you, come on. You with me? This is John chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Think about one angel that just passed through Egypt in one night. Are you with me? One angel passed through Egypt in one night. And everywhere that the blood wasn't applied to the doorpost of the house, he struck the firstborn of every household of their children and of their livestock in one night. One angel. That's power. That's power. Think about when a third. There's legions of angelic hosts. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us so. Jesus on the cross, it says he could have called the legions of angels to take him down. But he didn't. Go read the Revelation when it talks about the destroyer passing through the heavenlies during the Great Tribulation. I'm talking about Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, and John chapter 1, in the beginning. It's important that you understand that none of those things, Lucifer, a third of the angelic host, or the angelic host, A, they're not divine. People should stop being starstruck by angels. We don't worship angels. We don't worship angels. We don't become angels. And the fall of Lucifer was so cataclysmic that it destroyed everything in that creation. Period. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. And let me tell you something. Darkness is very simply the absence of light. In him was life. And the life was the light. And in him was light. And the light was the life of men. Backwards. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What was the first thing? This is what was the first thing? I'm helping you. God said, Let there be. And there was. And it was good. 
I won't even get into he didn't create the celestial beings until day four. Let me help you with it. What is let there be? It's not a trick question. Let there be light. God spoke it. What was it? Words. The word of God. The word of God. In the beginning was the word. With God was God. And the power of the word, by, by, by him everything that was made, that was made. And without him, nothing made could be made. Let there be. And from that day to this day, at 186,000 miles a second, it's still creating. The telescopes look into the deepest space and it says galaxies are still being formed. An explosive creation. I don't have any problem believing the science because that's the power of the word that was in the beginning and from the beginning. I'm telling you some things about all that. Hey, there's some things you need to know so you can get some clear understanding. It matters what you believe. There are some things we, I won't even get into tall weeds. People get mad at the preacher. Some things you need to pray about, get in the Word, and let, and let, the, God, and let, and let the Holy Spirit deal with you about what you believe and what you've taught your children. Because it, matters what you believe. People get real confused when they think people die. They become angels. You say, that's, that's non-consequential. That's no big deal. Oh, no, it leads to all kinds of craziness. It matters what you believe. It matters what you believe about God. It matters what you believe about His Word. Most of, the, most of Christianity today, I'm not guessing, I'm not being ugly, I'm just telling you what is now documentable and provable that most people that call themselves Christians, they have a conglomeration, a, a, a smorgasbord, a, 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 uh, customized, individualized idea of God. I take what I like about what this group says about God and what I think about this group says about God. And, and, they, and they say, well, this is what... I, anybody ever talk to anybody about God ever in their life? I'm in, I'm in John chapter 1, verse 1. Has anybody ever talked to people about God? At work, at Walmart, whatever, and they say, well, I think this, and I think that. And you know what my question always is? Based on what? Based on what? Doesn't matter what you believe, you can't back it up. Based on what? Well, I believe it. Based on what? Well, I don't believe God, but based on what? Because I know when it comes to God and, what, and, and, and the things of God, that the Word of God 
tells you that he's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Everything you need to know about God in 66 books. We're in the midst of, uh, of, of the great apostasy that the Word talks about. Do you know that? We're in, the, we're in the middle of the great apostasy that has been described in detail. And I, I've told you that before. I've, I've thought for years about the great falling away, the great apostasy. I thought it was going to be like everybody just walks, walks out of the church. And, I, and people have walked out of the church in some places. But the fact of the matter is that the, the, the great apostasy is very religious and goes to church. They just have an idea and a teaching of God that doesn't exist in his word. Then you got a mess. Uh, somebody's not understanding that. Let me ask, I asked in Sunday school a few weeks ago. Let me ask you tonight. You can answer it out loud if you want to. You don't have to be rhetorical. We talk on Wednesday night some. Hadn't been in a while, but we do some. Because, well, let me ask you a question first. Can we all agree that what was settled as right and wrong on many areas that's been right or wrong for millennia, in the last five years, we've decided that we don't know what's right or wrong anymore. Things that everybody used to know was wrong, now nobody knows. Are you confused? Is that a confusing question? I got a question for you. See, I get things that it blows my mind that we have a 20-year fight over the Ten Commandments. We talked about that in Sunday school. We have a 20-year, 30-year fight going on in the United States in court systems over the Ten Commandments. Ruling against public display of the Ten Commandments. Rule, literally, literally sitting under Moses and the Ten Commandments. The Supreme Court justices are literally sitting under Moses with the stone tablets in his hand over their head declaring that it's unconstitutional to have a public display of the Ten Commandments under a public display of the Ten Commandments. interesting can we all still agree in this room that I'm not talking about we're, we're talking about murder can we talk about murder we're not talking about justified whatever we're not talking about they kicked your door down and tried to come in and steal your sorry to say your wife but probably be better results if I said they tried to get your guns What? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other people. Because some people ain't going to fight for their wife, but they're going to fight. I was over in Baton Rouge last week, and over at the Marriott Hotel, there were 16 pickups out there that somebody come through in the middle of the night and busted the side windows out going through consoles. And the police did not come and say they were looking for a new wife. 
They were looking for guns. That's beside the point. Well, if people can laugh a little, they can swallow. Yeah? Yeah? Well, what I was going to ask you, we're talking about murder. Can we all agree that it's wrong to kill people? Is that wrong? I don't know. Oh. She's distracted because she said it depends on who it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, my question is, my question is, my question is, how many in there, for real, murder, by a show of hands, who thinks it's wrong? I got a question for you. Why? Based on what? Based on what? Because I got news for you, Mr. Atheist. If you don't believe in any of that, you have nothing. There's no, there, there, it, it's literally a free-for-all. It's literally the animal kingdom. Can I help you? Can I help you? Without the Word of God, it is literally survival of the fittest. That is the animal kingdom. And I believe this. I believe that. I don't believe God this. I don't believe God would this. I don't. Based on what? The book talks about a time when everyone done what was right in their own eyes. Guess what? God had to step in on it. He had to judge it and set it back in order. You know why? Because if everybody does what's right on their own eyes, nobody's wrong. And there's nothing to stop me from... I'm trying to find somebody with enough money to kill them over. <laughs> Maybe if I take three or four of you out, it'll be worth it. If I, I mean, because I'm sure absent the Spirit of God, that I can justify why you don't need to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and why, since you're not here, since you're not here, I might as well live in your house. You ain't need it anyway. You say, you're a long ways from John 1 and 1. No, I'm not. I'm talking about the Word. I'm talking about our idea of God. I'm talking about where the idea of God comes from. I'm talking about what if you can't if you can't if you can't lay it up against the word, by the way, in context. Hello. I'm really laying why we're in such a mess. See, Jesus isn't about religion. Oh, and by the way, Jesus didn't go to the cross and die because the world needed another religion. Jesus went to the cross and died in my place 
in your place, not because the world needed a religion, but because the world needed a Savior. That's why. That's why the Word became flesh. A week or two or three or ten later, we'll get to verse 12, 12 and 14, and you'll know I'll say again, Jesus came, the Word of God's made manifest, because the world needs a Savior. And by the way, when you stand with the testimony and the power of God, it might cost you your life. Because men hate darkness rather than the light. Men love darkness. The Bible says so. Brother G. E. Patterson used to sing, The Bible is right. And the choir and mass would say, And somebody's wrong. I thought that makes you want a choir. I ain't going to sing the verses, I get in trouble. The Bible's right. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. Everything was made by Him, the Word, Jesus. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him, life life has always been in him always right now people walking around without him they have air in their lungs breath in their lungs and their heart is beating by the way, that's his spirit that does that. <laughs> the people that hate him, he has enough mercy and grace to leave his breath in their lungs. Yeah. In him's life. In him's life. See, when you're separated from God, you may be breathing, but you're dead. what the Bible says. I never knew how dead I was. The Bible says that I was dead in my trespasses and my sin. I never knew how dead I was until he gave me life. Next few minutes, I just want to talk about something since we're right there. Because I can give you information and it's good. I can teach you what the Bible says and that's good. You know, what you believe matters. 
But sometimes we need to talk about something in him as life. There's no life outside of him. There's no life outside of him. Absent the spirit of life and the Holy Spirit, men are hopeless. Mankind is hopeless. No, I need you to hear me. There'll be a constant pursuit of hope and happiness, and nothing can satisfy it. Nothing. Because in Him is life. I realize that even the, the blood-bought believer can be in low places at times where they get their eye off of him. I'm not talking about lost. I'm talking about just people get distracted. And I'll say it for the 976,000th time. It's why you need the Word every day. You cannot separate Jesus from the Word. They are the same. And in the beginning was the Word. And we're talking about the word, in him was life. When it was coming near the cross and people were beginning to abandon the incarnate Jesus Christ, Jesus asked disciples a question. He asked Peter a question. He said, will you also leave me? Remember? Peter had a remarkable, see, Peter had the, Peter was like me, he had the ability to get a size 11 in his mouth. All of it. But he also had the ability to have incredible revelation. One time he said, who do people say I am? He said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, or a prophet. Who do you say I am? He said, oh, you're the Christ, the anointed one. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. It's pretty amazing. So amazing that Jesus stopped. <laughs> he said, whoa, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. It was manna. It was rhema is what it was. It was rhema, revealed word. It was revelation. Such revelation that it was such incredible revelation that Jesus said, upon this rock, this profession that I'm the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's pretty wild. Peter, will you also leave me? I read with inflection, you know that. He said, leave you where would I go where would I go you alone have the words of life life that's why I came 
The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. He said, but I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. We're dead. People are dead men walking and they don't even know it and they reject life. Jesus Christ. I told you, without people are hopeless. What is that? Jesus Christ, the what? The hope of glory. That's why you need the word. And it's also why, listen to me, talking about things that are key. I started out talking about chapters and verses that were key to understanding the entirety of the word of God. When Paul spoke to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he made this statement. You know what I'm going to say? He said, I've determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. By the way, that's the revealed word, the word incarnate, the word from the beginning. John's gospel presents him as God. I determined to know nothing about you save Jesus Christ, who you are, and him crucified, what he's done. Because that's where life comes. When believers get their, when we let the distractions of this world get our eyes off of Jesus and what he's done, that's where discouragement comes in. That's where oppression comes in. That's where the mind games of the enemy, because let me tell you, it's all fought between your ears. All, it's fought, but that's why he says to take every thought captive. Every thought captive. To cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. I've just spent the last 45 minutes giving you some, the knowledge of God. There's no life anywhere but in him. It's the story of his redeeming, uh, of his redeeming grace where he came and died in my place. He shed his blood for me from the beginning, from the time of the fall when God killed an animal and gave, gave Adam and Eve a, a coat of skins. It was about the blood. Why? Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. What the word says. It says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. No, the priest can't do it. The pastor can't do it. And communion can't do it. And penance can't do it. Giving everything you away can't do it. In him is life. It matters what you believe. And it matters who you believe Jesus is.
say, oh, preacher, I know. No, it's got to be more than a casual. I've heard it before. See, that's one of the problems with America. It's not America hasn't been evangelized. It's America doesn't care. They want to do their own thing. People say, oh, we need missionaries to America. No, we don't. Americans can turn on any radio, any TV. Heard that there's a church on every corner. I grandy that Lord knows what's going on in them anymore. But Americans have access to the gospel. No, what you know what Americans need is to get in the book and believe the word. Brandon, you can find turn your eyes upon Jesus. That would be good. I'm not sure I got past verse 1. I gave you lots of things to ponder. I know I didn't get past verse 1. But I know now why I want to go to the Gospels of John. So we need fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. Who he is. What he's done. What he will do. And can do. We live in a world that's fascinated with the supernatural. Don't you sit for a second and believe, oh, I don't know, when people come to church, people scared, they're scared of that supernatural. No, they're not. That's why they go to every occultish movie, every palm-reading, tarot card-throwing, psychic babble. People will go by the, spend it by the hundreds of millions and show up by the tens of thousands for that junk. They're not afraid of the supernatural. Sam ain't here, but... Sam said something the other night. And I'll, I'll go ahead and give him credit. He said, you know, our, our problem is, is what the church in America wants just enough of Jesus, not just enough of Jesus to miss hell. That's a dangerous spot. That's a dangerous spot. It matters. What you believe matters. And what you know about him matters. Over the next weeks and months, I encourage you. The Word of God's great, all of it. I studied that book. I love that book. Love the book. Why don't you concentrate for just a little while Get back in the Gospels. Learn who Jesus is. Because he's wonderful. The angelic, people are fascinated with the angelic and the demonic. They're nothing compared to Jesus. They're, they are literally footnotes 
in the Word of God. Stand with me all over this house. I need to quit for the night. Just sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your, your eyes upon Jesus. Look for His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange the day. In the light, His glory and grace. Why don't you just do that at the end of this night? Just for the next few moments, why don't you slip your hands to heaven, get between you and Him, get between you and Him and turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the things grow strange in the light His glory and grace Why not you sing that bridge? Do you have it? Jesus to you Jesus to you we lift our eyes Jesus our glory and our pride we adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our pride. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Whether it's for the first time tonight or you've lived for him all your life, and you just get distracted by the cares of life because everybody does. Everybody does. You can turn your eyes back to Him. Turn your attention back to Him. Making the center of your life first place. Whether you never have or whether you've just drifted off. I, church, i got to tell you something. Believer, I'm not talking about people going to hell here right now. I'm talking about believers. When we, when we get distracted and our eyes off of him, the way back is repentance. Repentance is not a dirty word. Somebody hear me. Repentance is not a dirty word. It's a godly word. It's a godly word. It simply means to turn. Turn back, turn, turn away from your sin, turn back to Him. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. It's not, it's not a dirty word, it's a, it's a marvelous word. When I get distracted, and I do, I have to say, Oh God, 
got to keep you in focus. I need to be reminded that without him, I'm nothing. Nobody is. You're nothing without him. But with him, (laughs) see, with men, things are impossible. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. It'll change your situation. I need you to hear something. Even if my circumstances do not change. We've had such a proliferation of, of hocus pocus prosperity nonsense that we think that when we get saved that all of our troubles are going to go away and suddenly you're never going to have be short of money again and you're never going to have anybody attack you again. That's not scriptural. My circumstances do not change God. But when I, talk, when I turn back to Him, it changes my situation. Even if my circumstances never change. My, cir- my circumstances has nothing to do with who God is. Oh, I don't think you're hearing me. My circumstances have nothing to do with His goodness. He's good. That's who He is. And He's right. And He's not looking for a people. It's a, it's, it's, it. You know why people give up? Because they've been, I told you earlier, what you believe matters. They start believing that if God loved me, he would, this wouldn't be happening. That if God loved me, that this would stop. Or if God lo- God never said any of that. What he said was, it would be worth it. What he said was, I'll bear your burden. What he, what he said was, is I'll do it with you. What he said was, is I'll give, this, this life is nothing, but I'll give you life. See, in him was life. What he said was, I'll give you eternal life. What he, what he said was, no matter what happens here, we can live there. And we can do it with joy. The world needs that hope. The world needs Jesus. I need him every day of my life every day every day turn your eyes upon Jesus so whether it's day one for you if it's day one to you repentance is calling God that's who he is God Father forgive me I need you forgive me of my sin wash me clean I put my life and my faith in your son, Jesus Christ, and confess him as Lord. And I'll live for him the rest of my life. He'll accept you. He'll take the weight of the world off your shoulder. But more important than that, you'll come out of death into life, into darkness, into light. Saint, 
when the cares of this world begin to overwhelm me, David said, lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was, is the rock. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sing it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for his wonderful face and the things of earth grow strange in the light of his glory and grace. Now sing the bridge as a testimony. Make it your testimony. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Why don't you sing to you, I lift my eyes. Jesus, our glory and our God. Oh, we adore you, behold you, our Savior and the true. Oh, Jesus, eternal. This is our closing. Sing that bridge one more time, but make it personal. Make it your testimony. Jesus, to you I lift my eyes. Jesus, You're my glory and my prize. My eyes. Jesus, my glory my prize. Listen, I, I adore you. I behold you. You're my Savior ever true. Oh Jesus, I turn our eyes to you. Oh Jesus, we turn our eyes to you.